Jesus. It's not just to make you feel better, it's to challenge you. The truth of God, it's the word of God, and it's the power of God, and and that changes lives. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Welcome in to Signs of the Times, our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, January 29th, 2021. This is episode 154 for anyone listening to our podcast on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for subscribing and taking the time to listen to us. I'm Greg Hilt, and on the other side of the glass is Pastor Mark Kirk, our senior pastor here at Calvary Knoxville our resident prophetologist, one who specializes in prophecy. And I'll tell you what, if there was any, if, it was, if there was ever a time for any pastor to be specializing in prophecy, well, it's right now. Absolutely. And I, I know I can speak for Pastor Mark because I've known him for well over 20 years. Uh, his desire is that all pastors would study the Word of God in terms of its prophetic uh, speaking, which uh, equates to one-third of the Bible at least, and uh, if we're not studying prophecy, we're missing out on the complete picture, and uh, we're probably full of fear. Yeah, no, and that's just it. Again, not to overemphasize, because I think think a lot of pastors, Greg, stay away from it. They say people talk too much about it it, that are into it, but a third of the Bible is prophecy, and I believe we should be talking about what God talks about about the same amount of time. So if God's talking about it a third of the time in the Bible, we should be as pastors talking about it about a third of the time. And, of course, we have our Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And out of four teachings, we have this right here. We have about a fourth of the time we're yeah. doing it. And, of course, we do it some in there. But I think there's a pretty good balance there. Yeah, that's great. And we want to welcome also those that are watching uh, live on YouTube. Is it okay if I look at the camera? Okay, I'm just checking. Just checking with Caleb, our video producer. We're new to video, so we don't know what's permissible or not. But I'm sure Caleb will let us know if we're doing something <laughs> wrong. Um, I found this quote. I, I love it. I'm just going to share it. It's really quick. And Nancy Walgamuth said, this god's word is powerful god's word is truth we simply cannot encounter god through his word and stay the same that's right absolutely i love that great quote okay before we get into lots of great listener questions we've got a little bit of housekeeping to get to you guys uh i think the last time we were on the air uh, I, I think I teased that we were going to be doing something different with our media and how you were going to access Signs of the Times, and that's true. And just to give you the background of all of this, we've got multiple media outlets of, of content we produce. And like, for example, this show, Signs of the Times, we have a lot of listeners, especially through the podcast in different states and sometimes in different countries. But that's all they know Uh, about Pastor Mark and what he does is Signs of the Times. And so what we realized is that we've got a lot of content out there, but the content is in separate silos. They're in separate websites or separate apps or things like that. And so we made the decision that we we were too far spread apart and we need to bring the family of content together uh, into one place. And that new place is called thewaymedia.net. That is a brand new website with a companion app called the Way Media app that you can get right now on uh, your Apple App Store or Google Play Store. And on, on both of them, and especially on the Way Media Net, because I think Caleb's probably got that picture up for you right now, uh, you can get WIAM Radio, which this show is being broadcast live through. You can get Come to the Table, which is Pastor Mark's daily radio program that's not only heard on WIAM, but other radio stations around the country. You can get all the Signs of the Times content on there as well, and including the media library from Calvary Knoxville, of which 
That's Pastor Mark's uh, home church. He's the senior pastor. There is tons of content that we are slowly getting moved over into that. And uh, it's going to be a great one-stop shop resource. In the coming weeks, we're going to stream live through that app. So all of our live services that come from Calvary Knoxville, as well as Signs of the Times, and anything else that we decide to do in the future, we're going to have a combined media presence that all of those places can go into, as well as in the coming weeks, we will be on your Apple TV or your Roku TV. Uh, If you happen to have one of those appliances and you watch TV via the Internet that way, the way media will be there as well. So we like to say it's one site, one app, one savior, and all of that is going to be in the way media. So we're very excited about that. It's going to be easier for us from a management standpoint, and it's going to give you guys an opportunity to see the other content that you may be missing and want to read or, or, or listen to or watch. It'll all be there. So we think it'll be a blessing for you. Uh, it'll be a blessing for us as well. And so we look forward to how God's going to use that in the future. I'm very excited about it, Greg. It's really expanding. I think our outreach and ability to do ministry and reach more and more people. You've done a great job on it. And might I add one app? Uh, you know, uh, one site, one one savior, one way. You didn't. You left one way off. Oh, and I know one it's, way. But, but it works better having just three. But I mean, the way media, <laughs> one way. Tune into the way media again. Uh, anyway, one way through Jesus Christ. But yes. yeah, I'm excited now. I'm going to encourage our listeners and watchers now to go out and check it out because there's a lot of content. It's only going to get better and better, and we're trying to um, uh, get better and better and present more and more. Um, you know, content for all of our listeners and watchers, if you will, on a regular basis. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, we are too. And again, because it's a it's it's a new baby, it uh, might not be perfect. So if you find any issues or any concerns, please reach out to us. And because uh, it's sometimes we're kind of beta testing a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, we're very excited. Okay, now it's time to you get into some questions. Mail. Also on the Way Media app, uh, I will. Uh, talk about this there's a um, a programming content called the truth in 10 which basically is going to take some of these questions uh, that we talk about on signs of the times and it's going to stand alone in its own content because these questions are important i just want to tell our listeners we love you guys asking these questions uh this is so huge because you're a voice for many people that have the same question and maybe are afraid to ask the question or maybe it's new listeners later that come into our website or our app and they've got that question they'll find it so we're very excited about that okay our first uh, question uh, pastor mark comes from bill and bill wants to know about fighting back against tyranny He says, I listened to your excellent message on uh, January 15th. I didn't hear anything that would prevent Christians from physically fighting back against tyranny. You said that's what the founding fathers were doing when they fired the first shot against the English tyrants and that God used that to bless America and the world. I believe that God would do the same thing today if people fought back physically against the tyrants that are in control of our government today. Your comments on that, he asks. Yeah, delicate question, great question, and one that really I've received a lot uh, recently because with all that's happening in our nation, you know, the whole discussion about what do you do when when a tyrant takes over if if the nation falls under total tyranny and you lose all your rights what do you do as a christian see there's a real balance here we need to begin with and that is we as christians have been very spoiled in america and where we're living now because we have rights and christians throughout history have not had rights i mean we christians pretty much have been just controlled with occasional rights from time to time and so you kind of get used to those rights and it's good and bad of course it's wonderful to have rights the danger of having the rights we have in America is that sometimes I think as believers, we can feel like that we now, because we have those rights and if those rights could be taken away, that we need to go to war to preserve them. And there is a balance as a nation. We should go to war as a nation to keep our rights. If you're attacked by a foreign you know, uh, entity coming in, you want to fight and this kind of thing to keep your freedom and protect your people. Uh, but when it turns to something, you know, infighting, if you will, civil war type things, which is some of the discussions that have come up, it becomes very interesting Because as a believer, we are not to be on the offense. We're not to be going out and storming the capital, so to speak. And yet we do have the biblical right and ability to defend ourselves. And I answered, again, we we talked about it on Friday's show. And, of course, that was you you were talking about, Bill. But, again, the comment that I made to you I want to repeat here, and that is we've seen leaders throughout history. God used leaders, Christian and non-Christian, to fight against tyrants and to bring tyrants down. So God does raise up those that will fight tyrants and remove them. And we see that as a biblical thing that happens as far as sometimes even among believers. 
But as I listed for you, and I want our listeners to know, my concern would be for the American Christians banding together to do some kind of offensive um, uh, battle, so to speak. In other words, starting a civil war, whether it be a, a, a militia or this kind of thing. And again, there's where the American spirit kicks in. You know, we defend ourselves. We fight. And I get it. We, we should fight for what's right. We need to stand on what's right. But as a believer, God has not called us to take up arms and go out and start shooting people. Uh, God has called us to uh, get on our knees and pray and make a stand vocally and, uh, and, and, and lead people to Christ and preach the gospel and preach the truth and, and stand in peace in so doing the best we can. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers is what Jesus told us. And so that's the goal of the believer. Um, so with that said, I do not believe that believers should be spearheading civil wars, going to fight against the government, taking up arms, those types of things. Um, even if there's a tyrant in place, I believe we are to stand firm in Christ and preach the gospel and let God work through uh, elements of the world around us and through the prayer in those tyrants' lives, etc. But at the same time, uh, we do have a right of self-defense that God lays out in his word. The Bible very clearly says, you know, that a believer has the right to defend themselves. If you're in your home and someone breaks in, you have the right to defend yourself, even if it means taking another life. God says that's okay. That's not ideal. You don't want to do that. But that's allowed if your family's in danger, so you can defend yourself in that sense. But the the posture I think we as believers need to take predominantly is one of self-defense, not one of being on the offense. And again, I think I would add one more note to that uh, when it comes to self-defense and God allowing it. Because I think that sometimes, Greg, it can go to the extremes either way. I've seen some believers even today, I know some believers right now, that would put together a militia and go fight against the government. I've run across those people as believers and I think that's the extreme that we shouldn't go to on one end. And then I've seen the other end where there are some, uh, I know someone from another country, and it's a much more uh, docile Christian environment there. And they, I think, even self-defense, they would almost shy away from. It's almost like, you know, e- even questioning, should I even in my home have a way to defend ourselves? Because maybe we should just kind of, like, you know, give our lives and just say Jesus loves you as we're dying type thing. Both of those extremes to me are wrong. The balance comes in somewhere in the middle. And so, again, I think if we understand as believers we're not to be starting civil wars and going on the offense, that's a good place for us to be as believers. But also with the self-defense side, when Jesus was talking to his disciples in the garden and he was giving his final instructions before he went to the cross, he said, you know, I sent you out the first time. You had nothing uh, to take with you. You just went in faith, and that was great. You went in faith. He said, this time when you go out, um, you know, Take things with you. Take two coats. Take this. And it may not have been the garden. It may have been another event where he was sending them out to do ministry. But either way, he was sending them out. One time he sent them out and said, totally trust in me, total faith. Don't take anything. The second time he sent them out and he said, now, take all the supplies with you that you need. And you go, wait, which is it? Well, it's both. There are times that we're to walk in total faith because we don't have access to the things we need. But if we have access to the things we need, there's nothing wrong in getting those things. It's called wisdom. And using them. And it's interesting, in that second time that he sent them out with their belongings that they needed, he said to them, he said, you know, if you don't have a knife, sell something and go buy one. And of course, one of the disciples was like, you know, I've got two. Okay, great. That's fine. That's, he didn't really respond. That's enough. He said, that's enough. And it's interesting, the word there that he used for knife in that particular passage was not the knife that you would use like a pocket knife or uh, something to cook with or whittle or whatever. It was, an, it was actually, Greg, used in that day as a self-defense weapon. Now, a lot of people don't know that. Now, there were, there were other things you could use it for, but predominantly, from my understanding, that particular knife that the Lord mentioned was a self-defense weapon. So in, in, in modern language, what the Lord said to his disciples is, I'm sending you out. Be as gentle as a dove and wise as a serpent. But you can take a self-defense implement with you in case you're attacked and someone's threatening your life. So the balance, it, that's the balance that comes in. And so, again, tyrants, we need to do everything we can to stop tyranny. And, uh, and yet I think that we have to trust God as believers to do that through the Word of God and prayer and just make a stand for what we know to be true. You know, Pastor Mark, I think in times like this, the struggle uh, for people, especially in this country, is the fact, and especially if you're patriotic and you love your country, uh, and I would guess for the most of your life, that's how you've been conditioned. That's what you believe, and that's how you act. And then some point along the way, 
more for uh, many than few that you give your life to the Lord later in life, right. you become a Christian. Right. But your muscle memory, so to speak, is that of an American. That's right. And responding in that way. Right. And forgetting that when you give your life to Christ, that you're a Christian now first. Right. And That's an American exactly right. second. And that is so, uh, uh, I, I think I can speak for all of us. That's a hard thing. It is. To remember to keep in mind especially for the times that we live in yeah but that is the truth well we're, we are first citizens of the kingdom there you go and yes. then, and then we, are, we are visiting u.s citizens <laughs> yes and so sometimes i think we take so much more ownership which yeah. we should again this is a country god's given us and we love it and i don't want to give the wrong impression that we shouldn't make a stand for freedom we shouldn't make a stand for our nation we shouldn't make a stand for what's right absolutely we fight for what's right yeah. Where I draw the line is, I don't think that we're called to get together as a church, take up arms, and storm the Capitol. Yeah. Okay. All right, Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Daniel. And Daniel is concerned about life change questions. If we are in the beginning of sorrows and the Antichrist is currently in his 20s and will rise uh, uh, to power in his 30s, as you believe, I'm Maybe that's you. Maybe you have said that. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, we have been given an extreme advantage of knowing our time on this earth is nearing its end. Yeah. With that knowledge, what should we be doing with the following, knowing our yeah. time on earth is short? This is great. Uh, Daniel's clearly given a lot of uh, detailed thought to this. Uh, what about our finances, like our debts, our 401k, children's college savings, life insurance policies, our health? Should we continue with cancer treatments? What about daily workouts, hospital bills, expenses, medicines? What about our possessions, our right. homes, cars, material wealth? And what about our time spent? Should we go to college? What about our employment? What about our retirement? And a follow-up to that is, what are you, Pastor Mark, doing differently now that we have entered into the beginning of sorrows? That's a great question. And yes. I think really, and, and the best way to sum this up, Greg, um, is the same way really that John Wesley, I read years ago, summed this up. And he said, somebody asked him, if you knew you were about to die very soon, what would you do to change your life? And that kind of is really what Daniel's asking here. If, you know, now that we know everything's coming to a close, what would be changed? And I love John Wesley's answer, because what John Wesley said was, is I would change nothing. And what that means is, I'm doing everything right now that I should be doing for Christ. And that's the key. If we are living for God and doing everything right now that we should be doing for Christ, there's nothing to change. If we know we're going to die tomorrow, or the world's going to come to an end in a week, you know, which it's not, but, or we know this, whatever we, we think we might know, yeah. we should be living in such a way that we don't have to go, oh no, oh no, I, I need to change this, I need to stop doing that, listen. You need to change whatever it is now. You need to stop doing whatever that is now. You need to live now for Christ. And if you live now for Christ, then just keep living as you're living. Nothing needs to change. And I I get more specific to his question. What about finances? What about this? What about that? Again, the Bible also says, occupy until I come, the Lord said. And that basically means this. Keep living life as if you're going to be living life. Don't just shut down. Don't quit your job. Don't sell everything. Don't, don't, you know, just live life. Continue to save. Continue to plan. Continue to organize. Continue to be faithful. Do life until I come. Just live. And if you're living for God and you're just living life, it doesn't matter when all this comes to an end. Whether we're in the time of sorrows, which I believe we are at the very end, uh, whether the rapture is happening tomorrow, whether we're going to die in a month, we should be living in such a way that any time the Lord takes us, we wouldn't change a thing. And, and yet, at the same time, we need to live in such a way that we're going to be here 100 years from now, which means all of us would be dead by natural causes. Mm-hmm. So the answer is keep doing what you're doing. Don't panic. Live as though you're going to live for 100 years, but be ready for the Lord to come back today. And if you thought the Lord was coming back today, what would you change? Hopefully nothing. Hopefully you continue on. I'm serving. I'm loving the Lord. I'm doing this. I'm walking with God. But if you can ask yourself that question and go, there is something I do need to change, Mm. change it. Now's the time to change it and live that way until the Lord shows up. So, um, you know, pretty basic, but also, um, um, you know, uh, not complicated, but, but thorough as well. I mean, it's not that hard of an answer when you think about it, but it makes a lot of sense when you realize the way the Bible lays it out. Could we apply the parable of the talents as a good summary to explain uh, what 
you know, what we should be doing with our things yeah. in light of the Lord's return. Because yeah. that parable sounds like it would be a good application. No, it really is. That's a great point, Greg. And that is whatever God has given us, we need to invest it. Remember, he gave one person one talent, one, two, one, five. And not knowing when the master was going to return That's right. either. And, that was the thing. And, yeah. and the two and the five, they invested it. And when their master came back, he said, well done, you that I gave five, you've, you've gained five more. Now I've given you greater reward in the kingdom. Two, you've invested, you've gained two more. Now you have great reward in the kingdom. And he went to the one person who said, you know what? I know that you're like a tough master and I was afraid I'd, to do anything with it. I might lose it, I'm older. So I just hit it in the ground. He said, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a tough master. Mm. He said, you knew you should have invested that yeah. and you did nothing with it. So the point is, whatever God has given us, we need to invest it. We need to be using it for the kingdom, not knowing when the master is going to arise but we don't just arrive, rather, but we don't just sit back and say, well, I might as well not invest my talent, whatever that is, because we're in the last days. No, invest it. We don't know how long the last days are going to be. We just know we're in the last days. The only time we know, Greg, is we know that seven-year period at the very end, when that last seven years begins, we can calculate that. But everything up to that seven years, we don't know how long this is. So we need to be about our father's business and we should be living in such a way that we wouldn't change a thing because we're already living the way we should be. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay, Pastor Mark, our uh, next question comes from Kimberly. And Kimberly has a question about babies in children. Yeah. She says, when the rapture occurs and babies and children are raptured with believers, at what point do they have the opportunity to accept or reject Christ? My school-age grandchildren have heard the gospel from family and through church, but what about our 18-month-old grandson? Will he still grow and have the opportunity to accept Christ? Yeah, again, a great question, and um, you know the Bible's really in 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 it speaks of what we call the age of accountability, a time when when God holds everyone accountable for what they know or don't know. So the first simple, straightforward answer that I would give you, Kimberly, is that. A child that's too young to really understand or process this, they don't have to have a moment, it would appear in Scripture, where they give their life to Christ. They don't even know how. They don't understand what they need to do. So because of that, they're just accepted in the kingdom. That's part of it. They're accepted in. The Lord knows what that age is. I've heard all kinds of people give different opinions about when that age is. Everything from someone giving a specific date of 13, because that's when they did the bar mitzvahs for the Jewish. That was kind of my follow-up question to you yeah Yeah. and then some all the way up to 19 because you know when they can't when they were in the wilderness god didn't hold anybody 19 and under accountable yeah Yeah, i mean he said he let them go into the land but everybody 20 and above he said you're in trouble so Hmm. i don't want to give false confidence to the 18 year old to the 19 year old Hmm. that decides they're going to do drugs and alcohol and say well god's going to accept me because that's the age of accountability based on the wilderness Uh uh-uh let me tell you something god's going to hold you accountable for what you know and you better be ready to stand before him but at the same time, that's where that comes from. The younger one is not a biblical number. Uh, that's why I don't necessarily adhere to it. It is a cultural number that the Jews put when they recognize a child becoming a man. But the Bible says nothing about 13 or that age. The Bible just gives the principle of that age of accountability. And so the, those that are under the age of accountability don't have to um, you know, even um, make some type of pr- profession as far as what it appears to be scripturally. Now, as far as um, the children of believers, I will add this on top of it. In 1 Corinthians, it says that if, you're, if one of the parents is a believer, even just one of them, the children are automatically, if they're under that age of accountability, they're automatically sanctified. That means they're going to heaven. Um, I probably shouldn't add this caveat in there, but I will because it's, you know, it's like the elephant in the room you've got to face because I get this question a lot too, and that is well, what mm-hmm. about those who don't have a parent? Mm. that's that's it that you know and their child is is young but they don't have a parent that's saved uh do they automatically get into the kingdom the bible doesn't say god is completely silent on that issue but what i can say is for the child of a believer god says in his word if at least one of the parents knows the lord and they're under that age of accountability whatever that age is i think it's almost great more of an understanding in that a certain age because I've seen some people that have great understanding at a younger age and some people that have no understanding at older ages. But only God knows what that is. The key is be ready. Whatever age you are, give your life to Christ. Um, but, you know, you're going to be, your kids are going to be in there. If you know the Lord and the rapture happens or whatever, if your kids are under that age of accountability, even if they've never asked Christ in their life, 
First Corinthians says they will go in the rapture. They're going to be there. But once they reach that age where they have to make their own decision and they can think this through, then God's going to hold them accountable. So uh, there's some variables, things we do know, things we don't know. Uh, just a, a thought, Pastor Mark, and maybe you can speak to this. Maybe it folds into this. Uh, when Jesus was on the cross and he looked at John and looked at, uh, um, or was it was it on the cross or on the way to the cross? Anyway, either way, Jesus said to John regarding Mary, uh, this is... Behold your son. Behold your son. That was on the cross. He was hanging on the okay. cross, speaking to John he, from the he cross. He was basically handing off, to me, it sounded like a, a family responsibility. He was. Okay. He was. And then, let's fast forward into the New Testament, when Paul says that true religion is to look after widows yes. and orphans. Yes. So... If we if we take the context of what's being said in terms of a biblical ap- application, it almost sounds like God is saying to the believers, to the believing family, uh, that it's our responsibility for those that have been widowed and those that have been orphaned to to be a support system. I'll yeah. use the generic term. Right. Uh, for those people yeah. or be and, and especially in the old testament times that was considered a covering right. you were a covering for those things right when we think of the book when we think of ruth and 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 naomi and um and all of that so anyway uh would would that come into play a little bit there too yeah i mean all these things you know kind of all come together you know as far as responsibility there is a difference between a widow and a biblical widow yes okay why don't we talk about yeah, that, yeah yeah the, a widow is just someone where they're a widow their husband's died but they have the financial means to take care of themselves or they have family that can take care of themselves um, or they're not really serving and greatly involved in church activity the bible says for that person certainly um, there's nothing wrong in blessing them. And if they see a need to help them, God would want us to do that as believers. So uh, I, I don't want to give the wrong picture saying we shouldn't take care of them, but the, the biblical widow, you know, Paul lays out taking care of their life. I mean, paying all their bills, making sure they're supplied for it. The church literally, that is if they have no family and if they are serving at the church on a regular basis, praying for the saints, he says, if you've got somebody that has no support system and they're serving God and they're a widow, the church needs to step up and take care of them. And that means they're living, their food, their everything. That's what I mean by a biblical widow. The other widows in the church were obviously to love and to help their needs and help take care of them as well in what their needs are because they don't have a husband. They don't have these, you know, even as an orphan wouldn't have a dad. But you don't take on the full responsibility of all of their needs 24-7, you know, such as, you know, living for every day. Right. If they, if they have family, because the family's supposed to step up first, or if they have the means of the, in and of themselves, or if they're not really serving and involved in serving the Lord. It's not that you're not kind to them, and it's not that we don't help them if there's a need, but the church in that case is not put under the obligation of literally providing for their livelihood. So I would say, yes, it does tie in, Greg, but even with the tie-in, it breaks down into two separate divisions there of what I would call a widow and a biblical widow would be. Okay. Well, there's a bonus question and answer for you there. Yeah. So anyway, uh, folks, we thank you for sending your questions in again. The new place to go now is thewaymedia.net. At the top of the page, you'll see Signs of the Times. You click on that. You'll see Prophecy Questions. Click on that, submit your prophecy question. We also encourage you to click the button there to see the FAQs or the frequently asked questions regarding Bible prophecy because we might have already answered that question for you. Uh, So we encourage you to check that out. And we are going to try from this point forward taking these questions, making sure that those are out there as well. And uh, these questions will be featured in our Truth in 10 segment. Uh, that you can find uh, the way, at thewaymedia.net and also uh, on the Way Media app, which you can get on your Google or Apple store. Yeah, and so, we, again, I'm glad you mentioned that, Greg, because making people aware, we have those shorter segments of questions yes. that are online. You can read questions. You can see little videos that I've done on that. Yes. Uh, things that have been put together. So be sure and check out all. There's so much information. I'm so excited about yeah. this new uh, Way Media. I mean, excited about it because yeah. it's, it's kind of one-stop 
shopping, so to speak, and it's a, it's going to be really huge. I, I can't wait to see how people use it. It's of the Lord for sure, yeah. uh, because uh, we're just a couple of guys that we call ourselves rant and rave. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that wraps up our first half of Signs of the Times. When we come back, we're going to get into lots of good articles regarding the one world government, growing anti-Semitism, some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption, some really sad news about the church, and we'll wrap it up with some good news as we always try to do on this Friday edition of Signs of the Times on January 29th, 2021. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. WIAMLP 101.1 FM, Knoxville. It's Crazy Money Day. Hey, I'm Chuck Bentley with my Money Life from Crown. Have you heard about the Ponzi scheme that swept through Bethel Church in Redding, California? An attendee of the church set up investment companies with his business partner and swindled investors out of $35 million. $35 million. Tight-knit communities like churches present prime opportunities for schemers. They know that church members tend to trust one another, so they intentionally get to know wealthy people in the church and lure them into their deals. Those people pass on the investment opportunity to their friends, and the deception spreads like wildfire. There's a significant difference between being a good steward who invests for future needs and one who's trying to get rich quick. This attitude has several dangerous premises. You get involved with things you don't understand. You make hasty decisions. You suffer significant losses. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Bethel Church should have been better prepared. The same thing happened in 2009 by a different attendee. My hope is that churches will protect their congregations by teaching biblical financial principles and alerting them to these scams. Now, if you or someone you know has been scammed, ask God for help. I've seen him restore victims in remarkable ways. Only he can work all things together for good. Now, debt can make you vulnerable to get-rich-quick schemes. If you're struggling with credit card debt, I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They can create a debt management plan just for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline, 800-722-1976, or visit online at crown.org slash ccc. That's crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. You know, a lot of times with the guys here and the gals that serve alongside of me, I, and I'll encourage you as we all serve alongside one another, that when you get a, an email that kind of rises to the occasion and kind of upsets you or somebody saying about you, and you immediately respond, you start typing it out, don't send it. Put it in your draft box and give it a couple days. Pray about it, think about it, ask some counsel, just, just seek the Lord, take a deep breath, take a walk, you know, go on the treadmill, whatever you need to do to let the stress go out. And most of the time when you pull that email back after a couple days, you know what you do? You do click the trash can. And you go, you know what? It's not that big a deal. I'm going to overlook a minor offense. You can learn more at edtaylor.org. Grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus by visiting edtaylor.org. This has been a Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of our program where we look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. These are the Signs of the Times for Friday, January 29th, 2021. Along with Pastor Mark Kirk, I'm Greg Hilt. Thanks for staying with us as we spend the next half hour or so diving into some uh, news headlines from around the world. No Israel news this week, Pastor Mark, but we do have some One World Government news. Yes, that's right. Uh, This is from Yahoo.com, actually via Reuters, where it says that the European Union welcomes a friend in the White House, and there is much to do together. Yeah, yeah, some good comments on this here. Again, this out of Brussels, January 20th. President of the EU executive again, she looked forward to having a friend in the White House. 
who could work with Europe on fighting climate change, quashing the COVID-19 pandemic, and rebuilding multilateralism. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said she hoped incoming U.S. President Joe Biden would join forces with the European Union to impose legal standards and norms on the digital world to rein in hatred, lies, and fake news. Again, sounds like a lot of emotion and politics in this. Um, Reign in the truth. Yeah. Yes. Relations between the EU and the United States were shaky during the Trump administration with tensions in particular over trade, von uh, der Leyen said, uh, of the EU. And Biden knew and liked each other, or she said they knew and liked each other, rather. And she was hopeful they could achieve much together. And I quote, we're both aware that what we have to do now is develop a global agenda. Note that. <laughs> Prophecy students. <laughs> to join forces. How prophetic. To tackle the big topics that are ahead of us. That's fight climate change together, overcome this pandemic, and rebuild multilateralism. Uh, the EU's recent investment pact with China is a part of its economic partnership and competition with Beijing. Um, um, like Washington, Brussels saw China as a systemic rival when it came to democracy and human rights. Uh, von der Leyen. The first female president of the European Commission said she welcomed the inauguration of Kamala Harris as the first woman to become vice president of the United States. Now, apart from the political statements and comments that were there, here's my main thrust of this. This headline really could have said it all. I wanted to read some of it, but EU welcomes a friend in the White House. Why do I find this so significant? Because, Greg, we've been talking about this. Satan and the Antichrist, he's been wanting to move the forward together in this unified global agenda Whenever God would let him, basically, you know, the Bible says that the enemy, the, the restrainer is restraining, you know, until he stops restraining, until God stops it. Um, it you know, it's, he's been holding it back. It's going to happen. And, but Satan tries ever so often. He does you know, different generations. He tries to take the world over. We could name those. He Most recent was probably Hitler. But the world has been trying to move forward together in this global agenda. And there's been one person and one nation that's been in the way for the last four years. President Trump and the United States of America, and they've been very vocal about it. We want to do the Paris Accords. We want to do Iran's deal. We want to get the world coming together and all these things. And the president, former President Trump, was saying, you're crazy. And it was crazy. Why are you doing this stuff? So he stood in the way. And I said, if the president loses this election, if he gets moved out of the way, we may see a very rapid movement forward in this global agenda and the one world unification, maybe even seeing the 10 nations coming together that we see in the 10 toes in the, in Daniel chapter two, because we were the only nation, Greg, standing in the way. Yeah. Now there may have been other nations that slightly opposed, but we were the only nation standing in the way of the one world global unification movement that had the power to stop it from happening. Now that President Trump has lost the election, now that President Biden is in office and the European Union, which will be the revived Roman Empire of the last days, now that they have a friend, end quote, in the White House, I mean, there's nothing stopping this thing from moving forward. I don't know if now's the time. I don't know how quickly it'll happen. But, Greg, this right here, America has been removed out of the way from stopping the world from unifying. The friend in the White House is now a friend of the world, and I really believe in the next four years we could see the conglomeration of these ten nations coming together, spoken of in Daniel chapter 2, where the world unifies that from that will rise the Antichrist and this whole world global system as we've been reading about prophetically for years. Well, the tenor of the world coming together in Daniel chapter 2 tells us that not everyone's going to be thrilled about it. It sounds like it's going to be more out of necessity. Yeah. And we can only look at COVID-19 and the pandemic uh, to see how that appears to be being used as the great unifier yeah. for a one-world economy and a yeah. one-world government. It really is. You know, it, it was yeah. climate change. Yes. And it's still climate change. It's still climate change. But now they've added on top of it also the pandemic. So you can you can really manipulate a world yes. by this situation, and um, you know it was it Rahm Emanuel, uh, which was uh, uh, Obama's uh, chief of staff, right? Yes. Was he chief of staff? Yes, he was. Yes, he said you, you know we should never let a crisis go to waste. And so what what they know how to do really good is is whatever the current panic of the world is, be it true or false, use it to put in more controls. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, God's the one that controls the environment and the climate. 
and God controls the pandemic as well. And that's a that's the spirit of Antichrist. That's a hallmark yeah. because he he the spirit of Antichrist is setting things up for the Antichrist yeah. to control the world. That's right. That's and because right. he can't do it spiritually in the sense of how God can do it. Yeah. He has to do it this way. And we've often wondered how it would come about. Well, we're watching how it's coming about. Pretty interesting to watch. Yeah. 2020 was an eye opener yes, to was. say the I least. I get it. That's yes. right. Yes. be good if I uh, had my sliders up when I want to play music. Uh, Growing (laughs) anti-Semitism. There's a couple of stories here this week, Pastor Mark. The first one is from Israel National News. Uh, A lawyer from California has published a call for Iran to wipe out the Jews. Yeah, and again, this is what you get when you have someone who's who is, uh, hates the Jews involved in... In, uh, in uh, government. Yeah. A California Bar You're Association legally. refuses to take action over attorney's praise for Hitler uh, and genocide of the Jews. This California lawyer, Fahad Khorasani, has been cleared of wrongdoing by the California Bar Association's disciplinary panel despite social media posts deriding the Holocaust, praising Adolf Hitler, and calling on Iran to carry out genocide against Jews. Now, can you imagine? Look at this. Greg, if this had been anything to do with uh, Christian or conservatism, they would have been yanked off of anything to do with any kind of media or anything. But now this guy's he's he's calling out Hitler and the fact that Jews should be exterminated, and everybody loves him. The media loves him. Twitter loves him. Facebook, no doubt. Nobody's doing it. Can imagine if it had been a conservative or a Christian. It says, hmm. although the post in question have already been removed or blocked from the sites on which they were posted. Well, again, here, they did at least do that. Screenshots of the post by a legal associate were submitted to the bar, along with a complaint having disciplined or disbarred. The bar concluded an investigation with the verdant no actionable conduct. One such post accuses worldwide jury of using the historical spectacle of the Holocaust as a tool to be manipulated, while others blame the Israeli Mossad, that is their uh, CIA, for assassinating an Iranian nuclear scientist. Khorasani calls this an act of war and calls on Iran to lead the way in wiping out the Jews. So the bottom line is, well, let me read just a couple of his last statements here. The Jew anywhere in existential is an existential threat to uh, Aaron's, Muslims, Iranians, everywhere, Khorasani, uh, Khorasani wrote. Hitler has proved that he knew these terrorist Semites very well. Hitler was right. We need a new Hitler. Now, again, mm. they did say they pulled these Be things down from these sites. But here's what gets me is, is that although they pulled them down from the sites, it probably was reluctantly. And, and it's interesting to see that when it comes to the Bar Association or someone calling for genocide, they see no reason to take any type of action. Hey, this guy's a great lawyer. Let him do what he wants. It's amazing how those that oppose God want their freedoms, Greg. But when those who are for God use their freedoms, we're greatly attacked. And this is just another example of that. But a further example, really. And I guess the larger picture here on this particular article is just the growing hatred of the Jews and the vocal hatred of the Jews. It's going to get worse in the last days, the Bible tells us, and you're going to see more and more of it, not only from around the world, but even here in America. Well, you know, what's interesting is that that attitude uh, can permeate throughout the legal system, including into the judiciary, yeah. of which, let's not forget who judges are, yeah. they're lawyers. So yeah. anyway... Yeah. Uh, you can just see how that could uh, seep in there and yeah. influence decisions in, in the future. Absolutely. Uh, uh, some more Jew hate here, Pastor Mark. Our next article comes from CBS News. A group says that the U.S. is moving into a dangerous phase as anti-Semitic incidents surge. Yeah, again, here in America, this is interesting. Yeah. A Confederate flag parading through the Capitol is just one of the many disturbing images the country confronted on January 6th. Again, that's when they stormed the Capitol. Uh, some photos and uh, vi- storm, yeah, the Capitol. Some photos and videos were more painful than others for Americans. A number of pro-Trump rioters stormed the Capitol uh, with anti-Semitic missions. Here's the thing: I just want to stop here. I'm going to read some more of the article, but they're saying that these pro-Trump rioters had anti-Semitic. I don't believe they were pro-Trump if they mm-hmm. had anti-Semitic. From what I've seen, Greg, those who were pro-President Trump were were the opposite of of, of anti-Semitic. They were pro-Israel as President Trump was in putting the embassy back in, in Jerusalem, in helping the nation of Israel. Those who followed and supported President Trump are those who follow and support the Jews and the Israel nation. So this article here, again, written from uh, CBS News uh, perspective, they obviously don't have an understanding or they're being intentionally misleading. I guarantee you these were not pro-Trump supporters. These were troublemakers in the midst of some pro-Trump supporters causing trouble because those who support President Trump support the nation of Israel and they support the Jews. But some of the uh, facts about this from 2015 to 2019, 
anti-Semitic incidents jumped to nearly a record high, according to the Anti-Defamation League. Some Jewish leaders said the growth of crimes against Jews intensified under former President Trump. See, I don't believe this. During the Capitol riots, Andrew Glickman, a Jewish woman from Pittsburgh, had looked at the rioters wearing Camp Auschwitz. Now, this is interesting, Greg. Know what they're doing. They've. Let me just say this. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. But the way this CBS reporter is writing this is to make it look like that anyone that stood on the conservative side is also anti-Semitic. And it's like they're (laughs) falsely pitting those who support Israel against Israel, which, again, just shows you the hatred of the Jew making this whole thing magnified. No, there are multitudes of people in America that stand with the nation of Israel, multitudes that stand with the Jews. And most Christians, really all Christians, should stand with the Jews though they all don't. Um, and But but it's again, it's a true article. This is a great example of how Satan takes something that's true, and that is an increased hatred for the Jews and lumps people together that really can't be lumped together. It's, it's not being honest. Um, and so, yeah, I do believe anti-Semitism is on the rise, but the connection to try to bring in President Trump or Trump voters is purely political because if anybody supports Israel and supported um, the Jews, it's President Trump and his supporters. It's actually the uh, liberal side that is really anti-Jew and anti-Israel. And, and we're already seeing the effects of that. With the new administration in power, Greg, they're already discussing changing the name. They tried to change the name of the, uh, of the embassy in, in Jerusalem to not just the U.S. Embassy for Israel, but to make it West Bank and Palestinian. Mm. And they got so much pushback the same day they pulled it back and kept it the U.S. Embassy at Jerusalem for now. But they tried immediately to change it. And don't kid yourself. They're going to go back to that. Well, yeah, they will. You're going to see more and more opposition from the current administration against Israel. Because in reality, the conservatives are the ones that have been standing with the nation of Israel. Because there's a lot of Christians in there. And Christians support the Jews and support Israel. Whereas you're going to see those that are not involved in that aspect on the other side. They're going to be the ones fighting against the Jews. So the two major things of note here is, is to see the increase of uh, persecution against the Jewish people, but to watch how those who really don't like the Jewish people are trying to twist it to look like those who are their friends are not their friends. Interesting to watch the politics behind the spiritual aspect, behind the reality. It just makes me think about who is the author of confusion. Yeah, no kidding. You're exactly and, right. And, You're exactly right. And you talk right. about taking a very simple situation and making it very confusing. Yeah. That's the hallmark. Absolutely. Of Great point. All right, let's get into the smorgasbord of yuck that we like to call pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Aside from the continuing uh, plague, as it were, of uh, COVID-19, this uh, is from jpost.com. A second wave of locusts are striking an already hard-hit East Africa. Yeah. Again, this has multiple implications here on this particular thing. Let me read some of the article and we'll address it in a lot of prophecy. Huge swarms on scales that had not been seen in decades were reported last year in East Africa, parts of Arabian Peninsula, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, and India. A second wave of desert locust swarms have begun striking an already hard hit East Africa in recent weeks after heavy rains and late season cyclones sparked a new round of breeding with swarms invading Kenya and southern Ethiopia, according to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. The first wave of locusts was reported in East Africa in January of last year uh, when heavy rains sparked a round of large-scale breeding. Weather conditions remain favorable for locust reproduction and growth throughout the year, feeding outbreaks of locusts from East Africa to, to Iran. And the famine early warning, here's the key on this, note this. The famine early warning system stated that several parts of the Horn of Africa are facing food crises caused particularly or partially rather by the locust swarms. And that crisis will worsen in the coming months, especially in Ethiopia, Sudan, Yemen, according to NPR. All of this comes as the coronavirus pandemic continues to impact the world's economy and food availability for many people. Greg, this is why this is interesting. Plagues, pestilence, we talked about. The locusts are enough. They are a plague. They are a pestilence. They wipe out your crops. They do all that. But they have a secondary effect that the Bible says will also happen in the last days. Famine. The Lord talked about it in Matthew chapter 24. When the locusts come in and wipe out the crops, obviously the food is gone. Famine increases. And the sad thing is, the tragic thing 
is where many of these locusts are, especially these Middle East, you know, in the Middle East, these are places already hungry. They're already in need of food. So the little resources they have, when you have a large locust population in a certain year that comes like that, it wipes out what they have left. And you have this already scarce situation, way worse, and an increase in famine. Now, be noting this. We will see more and more famine worldwide. The Lord said, be watching for it as we enter into the time of sorrows. Well, we've entered into the time of sorrows, I believe. We're going to see more and more famine. I think you're going to see some devastation of famine from this. And so when you hear about the locusts on the news, be thinking famine, not just the the pestilence of these bugs everywhere, but people starving months after that because their food is gone and they didn't have much to begin with. So tragic. But the Lord told us it would happen, and we're watching it take place. All right, Pastor Mark, uh, let's move on to a couple of church articles before we get to our good news of the day. Uh, The first one uh, is from Newsweek.com, and it says uh, over 16,000, and I'm going to add my own word in here, alleged Christians want Franklin Graham fired for helping incite the Capitol riot. Yeah, this is this this is angering Which to I me. Can't, I can't well, believe that. No, when you hear who it is, okay. you'll believe it. Okay. And I say we put ten million together that support our brother. Well, I mean, believe that they're these are real Christians. Well, yeah, and yeah. I don't think they are. Well, okay. again, yeah. listen what it says. Okay. Uh, as you said, more than 16,000 have signed a petition calling for the evangelical leader, Franklin Graham, to be fired as the head of Samaritan's Purse, which is the ministry he started, by the way, and his father's namesake for the uh, nonprofit Billy Graham Evangelistic Association after he endorsed President Donald Trump's uh, conspiracy theories that the election was rigged or stolen. Graham said in December that he believed Trump when he said the election was rigged or stolen. Graham later tweeted his support for the Republican lawmakers planning to object to the certification of President-elect Joe Biden's win in multiple battleground states. The petition argues that Graham's support of Trump's false claims helped to incite the mob of the president's rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol while Congress convened to count the electoral votes on January 6th. Again, they say as long as he's in place, uh, you know, then no one should have anything to do with these organizations. Faithful America describes itself. Here, now, they call themselves mm. Faithful America. Listen. Interesting. They just, here's who they are, okay? okay? Here's who's opposing Franklin yes. Graham. Because they're also opposing God. Yes. Faithful America describes itself as the nation's largest online community of Christians. Okay, now they make that claim, but listen, not everybody that says they're a Christian is. Organizing for social justice. This is a left. That's the key word. It is a left wing political movement, which no wonder they oppose Franklin Graham because he's supporting God. The organization, organization backed by thousands of supporters, previously called on Samaritan's Purse to remove Graham as its CEO after he prayed at the Republican National Convention in late August of last year because he prayed for the president. Excuse me. Faithful America. Here it is. They say it themselves. I've had highlighted in the article. Faithful America is a left wing advocacy group who regularly attack positions of biblical Christianity to further their progressive secular agenda. That's all you need to know. These are a bunch of unbelievers who are opposed to God, fighting against the things of God, now trying to attack Franklin Graham. Hey, that's exactly what we should expect, because Franklin Graham is standing on the word of God, standing with God, and doing the work of God. And because of that, the enemies of God are going to attack him. These people are fakes. They're phonies. They're not to be feared. I don't care how many of their numbers are. And again, um, I stand with Franklin Graham. I stand with Samaritan's Purse. I stand with the Franklin, uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And, uh, and we support them. And like I said, when I read this article, 16,000, I wish we had 10 million of us who could all sign up to something safe. But 10 million stand with him. Mm. And so, again, I doubt that Franklin Graham would hear this broadcast. But if he ever did, we stand with you and we're praying for you. And I encourage those of you who are true Christians out there to be praying for Franklin Graham as many of these fake Christians are attacking him. He's a man of God and being used greatly of the Lord. And we love him and we appreciate him. And we're thankful to God for him. All right, Pastor Mark, a global calamity, 340 million Christians are being persecuted around the world. Yeah. You know, again, just with the last days, this this number, Greg, just really grabbed me, 340 million Christians. That's the ones they know of. We know that in the last days, there's going to be increased persecution against the uh, Jews, but there's also going to be increased persecution against the Christians. Uh, listen to this, the extreme persecution that Christians experience in 10 of uh, the absolute 12 worst nations comes from Islamic oppression. No real surprise there. 
uh, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, Iraq, and Syria. 80% of Indian Christians helped by open doors say they were passed over for food distribution, so not even getting food when others were getting it. Uh, considering that for the first time in over a decade, China made it among the top 20 persecutors in open doors world watch list, up to number 17 from number 23 last year. This is a, this is a list you don't want to be climbing. This does not bode well for Christians. Again, we see in Turkey, increased persecution, Christians being murdered in Nigeria uh, for their faith uh, every day around the world. Listen to this. 13 Christians are killed for their faith every day. 12 are illegally arrested or imprisoned. Five are abducted. And 12 churches or other Christian buildings are attacked. You know, we know this is happening. But when you read it and you see it written out, it is just, again, uh, reminds us, look, God said it would happen. Jesus told us it would happen in the last days. We're watching it happen. But here's my heart. Be praying for our brothers and sisters around the globe. Even if you don't remember what nations I mentioned, pray for God to have mercy on our fellow brothers and sisters that are being persecuted in all these other nations, that God would strengthen them, protect them, and help them to stand firm as a strong witness. They need our prayers. All right, Pastor Mark, our last article of the day to wrap up this edition of Signs of the Times is good news coming from Christian Headlines, dated January 5th. It's a that's what Jesus would do moment. A man returns $43,000 he found hidden in an old couch. Yeah, what a great story. Again, (laughs) it just shows you there are people out there who still do the right thing. Uh, One year after returning $43,000 in cash from a secondhand couch, he had recently purchased. A Michigan man says he would do it all over again simply because it was what Jesus would have done. Howard Kirby of Ovid, Michigan, purchased a couch for $70, a used couch at Habitat for Humanity in, 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 to restore in Owasaw. Owasaw? Anyway, uh, again, this is Michigan. They have a lot of uh, uh, names that are hard to pronounce there. But he and I apologize if you're from there and you heard me say that. But he and his family soon became suspicious that something was amiss with an unusually hard cushion. His daughter-in-law opened the cushion and found loads of cash, $43,000 worth. Although Kirby was told by the attorney that he had the legal right to keep the money, the small-town man chose to return the money to its owner, the family who donated the couch. He later learned the family's deceased grandfather had stashed the money in the cushion. Kirby could have used the money to pay off his house. The Holy Spirit just came in, came over me and said, no, it's not really yours, and he gave it back. Greg, I love this because, again, this is what happens to the true believer you know, that something like this happens, and I can see the temptation to go, wow, look at this money. We have all this money. We'll pay the house off. We'll do this. We'll do that. But he immediately th- thought to himself, you know what? Somebody saved this. And I think about that grandfather that spent all those years storing this money away, saving this money, dying, obviously, before he had a chance to tell his family that it was there. And that's tragic in and of itself. Can you imagine the family when the guy calls him up and says, hey, uh, are you the Johnsons? Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. You know, I bought your old couch. Oh, I hope everything's fine. How'd you get my name? You know, yeah. no, one of the cushions was a little bit hard. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. I found $43,000 in it, and I want to give it back to you. Can you imagine on the other end of the phone, they wouldn't even known Be that silenced. they had it. Yeah. And, and I can just imagine the excitement, the thankfulness. Look at this. Because of his good deed, the thankfulness that went up to God. Because now they're thanking God. Lord, thank you for putting it in somebody's hands that would give it back. Lord, thank you for giving us this money. Thank you that our grandfather put it aside. Thank you for all this. And then he's getting blessed because, again, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. Mm-hmm. So now you know he's going to be richly blessed because he did the right thing. And again, if you talk about a, a, a good, just a feel-good story, a good feel-good story to end the day on, you couldn't have picked a better one than this. I mean, just doing the right thing. And I, and I think more and more, Greg, as we enter into days that are darker and darker, and everyone is choosing to do the wrong thing, how wonderful it is to have these stories that remind us there are those out there that are, that are still doing the right thing. And, um, you know, I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care where you live, what your situation is. You have a choice to do what's right or do what's wrong. And I encourage you, make the choice to do what's right. Because there is going to be a reward for that. It's not just, oh, he gave it back and that was a nice thing. Gets a pat on the back and maybe a report on a radio station from somebody that reads it or reads it in the paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's going to be reward for him. He's going to glean way more than 43000 when he steps in that kingdom for what he did for that family. 
And um, you just, you know, you wonder, was it a test for him? Uh, was it just to show God's faithfulness to that family? You know, we just don't know. But again, what a great feel-good story to end the day on. And, and just what a blessing to see um, God moving in the hearts of his people, being an impact in a dark world today. Yeah. All the more reason that we need to be light Absolutely. in the dark world. Absolutely. Doing what our Father has asked us to do. Pastor Mark, thank you. Folks, do not forget our new website is thewaymedia.net. When you go to Signs of the Times on that front page, you will see SOTT Podcasts, and that's where you can watch previous episodes or watch the latest podcast from today, which will be posted later. And don't forget, with every podcast episode, whether you get it on the website or get it through the Way Media app, you will be able to see the articles that Pastor Mark talks about each and every week. And in those articles are the actual links that take you back to the websites from where we got this stuff. So you can see we don't make this stuff up. This is the truth that's out there, and uh, we invite you to visit thewaymedia.net to get all of that, plus much more content out there. That wraps up today's show. We thank you folks for joining us. Don't forget, next Friday at 1.30, there will be more Signs of the Times right here on WIAM.